right, well, good morning and welcome to you here at Crossroads Church, to those of you here at Thornton Campus, to those of you watching online. And uh, can I still say Happy New Year? I mean, I know we're 10 days into it, but it's still kind of a new year, right? Uh, so Happy New Year, Happy 10-day New Year. And uh, we, last week we started a brand new series about the new year that we call tw- uh, Goodbye 2020. And if you were here last week, if you watched online, uh, you've had a brain worm all week long, right? From, from Pastor Tim's song, uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody parody. I was talking to Tim this week. I'm like, man, that was a great song, but thanks a lot because I've been singing it nonstop in my head. I can't sleep because I'm, I'm seeing Tim in his yellow jacket. Uh, but man, it's been good. But you know, we, we're doing the series because we are excited to be done with 2020, aren't we? Man, what a year. Just a, a crazy, crazy year. And, and here we are, new year, fresh start, maybe some new plans, new goals. But if we're honest, we're all just a little bit leery of 2021, aren't we? In fact, I've seen a few memes over the last few weeks that uh, explain or maybe resemble a little bit of our uh, reservation about 2021. Here's the first one. Uh, you know, we're, we're just kind of barely peeking around the corner. Like, what does 2021 have for us? For those of you who are Star Wars fans, you'll appreciate this. What is going on with the moon? And here's the thing, is that in the back of our minds, as excited as we are to see 2021, in the back of our minds, we're all asking the same question, but we're just afraid to say it out loud, so I'll do it for us. What if 2021 isn't any better? Like, what if a lot of the things that we experienced in 2020 are are just sort of setting the stage for what's to come in 2021? What if it doesn't bring about the answers that we want, the the sense of normalcy, some of the resolve that we are looking for? What if it doesn't get any better? And here we are in 10 days into the new year and we can already see that we're off to a a pretty rocky start, aren't we? You see, and I don't don't bring this up to, to make you anxious. But instead, we thought we would do this series because we thought, what, what would it look like for us to, to just stop for a moment, to just silence all the noise and the busyness around us and, and start the year off on the right foot and, and stop and take a moment and say, how am I doing really? Like, what's going on in here? How am I doing? How, how's my soul What is really going on? And so for these three weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, three emotions that I believe every single one of us have experienced on some level. Last week, we looked at the the emotion of loneliness, that, that we've all experienced some level of isolation over the last several months. And this weekend, we are talking about fear. And I'm not talking about scary movie kind of fear, like the fear that makes you jump out of your seat. I'm talking about the fear that you experience when your worst nightmare comes to life. I'm talking about the fear that, that, that you experience when, when your life gets altered because something is going on. Now, for some of us, this, this fear may be extreme, and for others of us, it may not be that, that big of an effect on us right now, but I think all of us have experienced fear. And you know that emotions are gifts from God to us, aren't they? They're, they're gifts from God saying, uh, hey, look over here. There's something going on. There, there's something that needs your attention. They serve as signals for us. You see, fear can be a really good thing. It's like an, a protective emotion. It protects us. There are some things in life that we should be afraid of. At the same time, fear, when it's out of control, 
will rob us. It will absolutely rob and steal from us. And for some of us, that's what our story is of 2020, is we've been robbed. So what would it look like for us to stop and take a look at our fear and so that 2021, that, that, that our fear doesn't continue to rob us. And so we're going to pray uh, before we look in God's word today. So would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today. And God, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for your love and your kindness and your patience. God, your mercies that are new this morning. God, we need you. We need your, your mercy and your grace. And Father, here we are 10 days into the new year and we continue to pray for our country that's so divided and so broken and so angry. God, we continue to pray for healing. And Father, in that, we pray that you would allow your church, followers of Jesus, to, to rise up and to shine the light of Christ in our communities. Father, would you show us what that looks like? Would you bring healing to our nation, we pray. And Father, now as we look at the emotion of fear and this fear that's been residing in our souls for, for months, God, would you, would you give us some peace today, we pray. And it's in your good name we pray these things. Amen. If you were here last week, you know that we looked at this big epic story, this long story that we're actually going to look at parts of throughout the course of this series. And this whole story takes place in several chapters of the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. And last weekend, we looked at the story of how King Saul, who is the very first king of Israel, how he was rejected by God. And, and, and instead of him being king, this young shepherd boy named David was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. And a long story short, Samuel becomes really popular with all of the people of Israel and, and everyone loves him and he can't fail at anything that's in front of him. And, uh, and eventually Saul gets angry at him and, and chases him off. David runs for his life. He flees, the anointed king of Israel, flees into the countryside uh, for his life and ends up alone in a cave. If, if, and if you missed last week and if maybe you're struggling with some feelings of loneliness and isolation, I would just encourage you to go uh, back and watch that in our archives. Um, and today we're going to be talking, like I said, we're going to be talking about fear. Now, there's a lot of fear in this story from beginning to end. I mean, David had a lot of fear. He was afraid for his life. The Philistines had a lot of fear because they saw this young shepherd boy beat their best uh, warrior, and they were afraid. Uh, David's friend Jonathan was afraid for his friend's life. You see, there's a lot of fear in this story, but we're not going to look at any of those people. We're going we're to rewind a few chapters, and we're actually going to look at King Saul, now, you might be thinking, wait a second, King Saul, he wasn't afraid. He was angry. He was vengeful. He was violent. He was jealous. But, but was he really afraid? And, and he was. You see, and it all started with this, where, where King Saul was, was commanded by God in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel to go and attack this people group called the Amalekites. The Amalekites uh, were this people group who were enemies of God. And God said, hey, Saul, I want you to go and attack them, and I want you to wipe them out completely. 
I want you to kill every single person and I want you to kill every single animal and I don't want you to take anything for yourselves. I want you to just absolutely decimate them. And so Saul goes with his army and he does mostly that. You see, they go in and they wipe everybody out and except for the king and except for the, the best livestock. They kept all of them alive. Now you might be saying, whoa, whoa hold on a second. Time out, Chris. Wait, let's back up. God told Saul to do what? God told Saul to go and kill all these people, like unprovoked. And, and here's, here's the answer to that. that that's a, another sermon for another time, but here's the quick explanation. You see, the Amalekites were not only enemies of God, but they were absolutely wicked and evil people. And, and way back, if you remember when Israel was held captive in Egypt, several hundred years before this story, and, and they were held captive in Egypt, Eventually, they get released. They're running away into the wilderness. Remember, they're being chased by the armies of Egypt. They walk through the Red Sea. And guess who attacks them in their, their vulnerable, hungry, tired, wandering state? It was the Amalekites. They attacked Israel. And it was back in Exodus chapter 17 when God says, okay, that's enough. In fact, the Amalekites, you're, 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 you're so much my enemy that I'm going to blot you out of the earth. I'm going to blot you off the, the face of the earth. I'm going to wipe you out. And here in 1 Samuel 15, this is God making good on his vow. He says, I'm going to do this, and now is the time. So Saul, go do this. And again, Saul goes and, and does mostly, mostly that. He doesn't obey God. He brings back the king and the best livestock. And in 1 Samuel 15, God tells Samuel, hey, by the way, Saul didn't do what I asked. And because he didn't do what I asked, uh, I'm rejecting him as king. He's no longer going to be king. I want you to anoint a new king. You, and Samuel had to go tell Saul the news. That was a bad day for Saul. That God was actually going to depart from Saul and go to someone else. A bad, bad day for Saul. So it was immediately after that that, that Samuel goes to, David, to, to Jesse's house and, and sees David, the young shepherd boy. God says, that's the one. Anoint him as king. He does. And, uh, and it was that point forward where David's popularity, his success, his, uh, everything that he did was, was successful. And he succeeded in battles. And, and he beat the Philistines and all this sort of stuff. His popularity and the love of David and Israel just began to, to grow and grow and grow. And here it is. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12, it says this, Saul was afraid because he was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and departed from Saul. Saul was afraid. Before every other emotion that Saul had, before the anger, before the rage, before chasing David down in order to kill him, before all of that, he was afraid. Now, we're going to talk more about anger next week, but, but, but all of it started with fear. Can, can you relate? Can you relate to, to some of Saul's fear? You know, we, we don't have to look any further than the toilet paper shelves in March of 2020 to see fear, right? I mean, you can't spend 60 seconds on social media without seeing a post about something that just ignites fear within you. Let me ask you this. Have you been afraid in 2020? What have you been afraid of? I've been afraid. 
I remember times where, where I couldn't even name what it was, but I would be sitting in my office at home, down in my basement at my desk, and just kind of feeling this heavy weight, just this anxiety, just this, this fear of like, man, what's going to happen next? I mean, just almost a, a, a reluctancy to start each day because, man, something bad is going to happen again. I was afraid when some of my uh, family members around the country, some of my older family members got sick. What was going to happen? I was afraid when my wife, who's an ICU nurse, caught COVID from one of her patients and the Amdahl home was, was sick for a few weeks. I was afraid. What was going to happen? The unknown. You see, there's lots to be afraid of in 2020. What were you afraid of? The economy? Maybe for some of you, it was the financial challenges of, uh, of the, the, the shutdown affecting your work. Maybe it was the political and social unrest of, uh, of whatever. Maybe, maybe you're afraid of just facing 2021, or, or maybe you're afraid of facing 2021 alone because that loved one of yours died. What is it that you're afraid of? Maybe for some of us, you can't really put your finger on it, but there's just sort of this underlying heaviness, this sense about you. You see, here's the thing with fear is that we all feel it, but we all react to it differently, don't we? You see, fear is a great motivator. It's a great motivator. In fact, there's three common reactions. You've probably heard this, that when it comes to fear, there's fight, flight, or freeze, right? Fighters, they fight. They, they, get, they get scared and they put up the dukes, right? Flighters, they run. They, they get scared and they just take off running. Freezers, they, 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 they just stop and they're paralyzed and they don't know what to do. Now, by a show of hands, and if you're at home, maybe you can type this into the chat box, but I want to hear from you guys. What is your natural reaction? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm a combination of a couple of them, but what is the prominent reaction for you when it comes to fear? All right, I want to see, uh, we're going we're to see some hands raised. So how many of you are, are, are fighters? Like when you get scared, man, it is, it is time to fight. All right, we got some fighters in the room. Everybody take note of those people. Okay, yeah, avoid them. Just kidding, don't do that. All right, how many of you are, are flighters? You, you, you get f- afraid and you just run. You take off running for the hills. Okay, all right, about the same amount. How many of you freeze? Like you just get stuck. And that, that's me. I'm a processor anyway. So when I get scared, man, I just get stuck. I, I just freeze stuck in my footsteps. But here's the thing is that all three reactions are an attempt to control. Back when I was in high school, a group of us went to a haunted house. I don't know why we did that. I hate haunted houses. Like, I will never, ever again pay money to go be scared out of my mind. But we went to this haunted house. And at one point of this haunted house, it, it sort of dumps you out into this big maze. And, and, and it's however long it takes you to get out of this maze until you can, can leave. But, but they don't tell you which way to go. So you're doing a lot of backtracking and a lot of back and forth. And, and the whole time there's these guys running around. I guess they call them actors. And they're running around just trying to scare the daylights out of you, right? And there's this girl in our group named Jen. And, and Jen was this, uh, she was small. She was like maybe 90 pounds, right? When she has her big coat on. And, uh, and she was just out of her mind scared. And the actors loved it because they would run up to Jen, boogity-boo, right? And she would just take off running and screaming. And then what did they do? They followed her. 
They just followed her. And then they would, she would get to a dead end and, and they would scare her again. And she would run back to the other side. And it was just this amazing thing. Well, Jen wasn't just a flighter, but she, little did we know, was a fighter. And one poor soul comes up to Jen and scares her. And she had had enough. And she turns around and just starts wailing on this guy. I mean, with everything that she has, she just starts punching him. And, and he gets to the point where he realizes, like, oh, man, I made a mistake. Takes off his mask, and he's like, hey, I'm so sorry. I'll leave you alone. And he walks away, right? And he probably went and quit. And went to his office, his, his uh, manager's office, and, and quit. That was it for him. But, but here's the thing, is that whenever we react to our fear, whether it's fighting or flighting or freezing, it, it's all an attempt to control. And here... Saul is afraid, and Saul is a fighter, and Saul fights dirty. Watch this in verse 13. He says this, so Saul removed David from his presence, and he made him commander of a thousand, and he went out, and he came in before the people, and David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him, and when when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. Skimming down to verse 17. Then Saul said to David, here is my elder daughter, Merib. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought this, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Do you see what's happening here? You see the whole idea of keep your, your uh, friends close and your enemies closer. Saul's idea is this. Is, okay, hey, I want you to, to be in charge of these armies. I'll even give you one of my daughters to marry, uh, but just, just fight these battles. But in the back of his mind, his, his motive was, you're going to go fight these battles and you are going to die. And, and then I can say the Philistines killed you and not me. And here's the thing. Here's the truth is this, is that the more you try to control, the more your fear controls you. Do you ever experience that? You're afraid and you react. You try to control. And what you notice is that the more you try to control, the more your fear controls you. Fear is is like a spark. It's like a spark that grows and mutates over time. It mutates into other things. In fact, this book that I'm reading in our small group, James Brian Smith wrote this book called The The Good and Beautiful Life. And he he explains anger this way. He says this, anger, there's two main kinds of anger. There's visceral anger and meditative anger. Visceral anger is the kind of anger that happens in the moment. Uh, Someone cuts you off or the the, the waiter spills uh, a drink on you or or whatever it is. And, And it's immediate and it doesn't last very long. Meditative anger is the kind of anger that lasts and lasts and lasts, and you think about it over time. Now, you might be thinking, wait a second, I thought we were talking about fear today. Uh, isn't anger next weekend? And I would say yes, but here's, here's how it connects, is this. He says this, both types of anger are fueled by two ingredients, unmet expectations and fear. Unmet expectations and fear. And when those are united, they ignite into a strong emotion. You see, fear, it becomes this spark that mutates into other things. 
And if you look at the United States over the last eight months or so, and, and all of the unrest, socially, politically, the riots, the violence, the, the, the violent overtaking of the White House, it all started with fear. Fear of unmet expectations. Fear of the unknown. Fear of being let down. Fear of something. And that quickly changes into anger, and then quickly just changes into whatever it is we let it whether that's violence or rage or, or manipulation or jealousy or whatever that is. You see, fear, if it's unchecked, it, it mutates into all these other things. And here, uh, Saul is experiencing this truth that the more he tries to control, the more his fear is controlling him. So he tells David, hey, I'll let you marry my daughter, go and, and, and fight these battles. And so David responds, he's excited. He's like, man, that's great with me. Like, who am I to be called the son-in-law to the king? I'm just a shepherd boy. I'll take any chance I got. Of course I'll go do this. And, and David fought these battles and had success. And, and so Saul says, you know what? Actually, what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to kill two, uh, I want you to kill 100 Philistines. David is so excited that he goes and he kills 200 Philistines. Now, instead of marrying Saul's daughter, Merib, he instead marries Saul's other daughter, Michal. And in, ver in verse 28, we see these words. It says this, But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid so Saul was David's enemy continually. You see, he tried to control his fear. He tried to control the situation. And instead, it became more controlling for him. He was even more afraid. Now, why was Saul so afraid? Did you catch it? Some of you caught it. Why was Saul so afraid? In verse 12, we see the answer. Back in verse 12, it says this. Saul was afraid of David because... The Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Saul was afraid because God had departed from him. Can you relate to that? Have you ever felt like that? You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's method was a little bit different than today. You see, the Holy Spirit would, would rest on a specific person for a specific purpose for a specific season. And when that was over, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, would move to someone else for something else. You see, he didn't just rest in all of his uh, followers. He, he was specifically on, on one per person for a specific purpose. And, and when, when Saul was disobedient, when he didn't follow God's rules, his commands, he says, okay, well, it's it. Like your time is over. And God left Saul and went and rested on David. Man, that's got to be a terrifying feeling, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever felt that? It's one thing to be scared, isn't it? But it's a totally different thing to feel like you are completely alone. In fact, God himself left you. And that'd be a terrifying feeling. And maybe we don't say it explicitly, but what it comes out is this whisper in the back of our heads that says, he left you. He forgot about you. 
He's not that powerful. He's not that good. Man, what a terrifying thing. You see, Saul's reason for fear was justified. It was justified. But here's the thing. As much as we may feel that way sometimes, did you know that a thousand years later, it was Jesus who said these words, who gave us this promise in John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus says this, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper. That word helper is the word that he uses for the spirit, the counselor, the comforter. And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You, may know, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then in verse 26, he says this, but the helper, that same word, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And he says this, peace, the shalom of God, the, the wholeness of God, the wellness that God provides, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, here Jesus says, look, I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you shalom. And in the moment, they were all terrified because Jesus was about to leave them. He was about to be crucified. They were all absolutely scared out of their minds. And their worst fear was, what if like Saul, God leaves us? And Jesus comforts them and says, look, I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to give you my shalom, my wholeness and wellness, not found anywhere else. And why? Because the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that was there at the very beginning of creation, will, indwell, will dwell with you and in you. And that's an amazing promise, isn't it? That the Holy Spirit of God, as followers of Jesus, that he dwells with us and in us. But there's something scary about these verses. Did you catch it in verse 17? Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. What does that mean? You see, when someone puts their trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's work is different now than it was in the Old Testament. And it says that the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit invades us. That literally when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and his work on the cross and for the forgiveness of our sins, that it's not only heaven that we look forward to to being with him, but that now that he comes into us, he, he makes our spirit ignite with new life and he takes up residence in our hearts. That this is what he does and he seals us. That nothing can change that. Nothing can separate us from him. Nothing can, can, can absolutely demolish that work. It's done and it's final. But here's the thing, is for those who haven't done that, for those who are afraid and, and you feel like 
you, you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus. You haven't been following him. You haven't made that, 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 that commitment, that jump yet. You haven't invited him. You haven't surrendered to him. And like Saul, whose fear was warranted because God wasn't with him, for those of you who aren't followers of Jesus and you feel alone, perhaps you are. Perhaps you are. But here's the good news is the story doesn't stop there. You see, Jesus made a way. He made a way so that you wouldn't have to be alone. That Jesus came to earth. He took on flesh, was born as a baby, lived on this earth, suffered and died. Why? So that you wouldn't have to be alone. So that you could come to him, that you could have new life in him, that, that he could come and reside in you. Man, what an incredible invitation. And the good news is that it's not based on anything that you've done or haven't done. And that is good, good news for all of us. But it's based on the love, the mercy, the grace of God. And so for those of you who are watching and maybe you, aren't, you haven't decided that yet and you, you're saying, I'm ready. I want to put my trust in him. I want to put my faith in him. I want the Holy Spirit of God to indwell my life. It's as simple as responding to his invitation. And we've made a, another step for you. It's an easy step. I just want you to text the name Jesus to the number 720-513-1933. And when you do that, someone will be in touch with you. They'll, they'll answer questions you might have. We'll pray with you. We'll walk with uh, you through what this looks like. Now, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you say, man, I, ha I have done that. I've been following him. I put my trust in him. I, 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 I put my faith in him, but I still feel so far away. I still feel like God is distant. I still feel like Saul, that he's just not there. And here's, here's the thing, is that sometimes we feel that emotional distance because we've wandered away. We've, we've done our own thing. Maybe we've disobeyed God. And we, and we look back and we, we feel like, man, I've walked far away from him. Have you ever felt that way? And I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son who told his father, hey, I'm done with you. I want all my stuff. And he leaves. He goes and squanders it. He comes to his senses finally and says, I'm going to go back to my father's house and maybe he'll hire me as a servant. On his way back, the father sees him from a long ways off. And what happens? The father runs toward him, throws himself on his neck and kisses his son, rejoices that his son that was dead is found. And here's the thing for, for those of you who are following Jesus, maybe you feel distant from him, is that the moment you turn back, the moment you say, okay, I'm going back to him, what does the father do? He sprints to you and he embraces you and he kisses you and he forgives you and he rejoices that you are back. Would you do that? So now that we know that the Holy Spirit is with us, what do we do with our fear? Back to the haunted house story. Jen is losing her mind, running around the, the maze, just absolutely freaked out. I finally get her attention for a moment, and I say, Jen, stop running. Well, but they're chasing me, I know. That's because you're running. So stop running. And what I want you to do is this. Just trust me for a second. I want you to, I want you to hold onto my arm as tight as you can, and just bury your, your head right here, close your eyes, and whatever you do, the next time they come at you, don't run. 
Don't punch them either. That's a bad thing. Don't punch them. Don't run and see what happens. And so she did this. She did this. She stopped and she, and, and she closed her eyes and she held on and she didn't run. And what would happen is these guys would come up and scare us, try to scare us. But when they would see that we're not affected by it, what happened? They would turn and they'd go find some, some other poor sucker. Right? So what, what, what happened in that moment? Jen gave up control and trusted. She trusted. She gave up control. She gave up trying to, to control the situation and she simply trusted. And here's the second part of that truth is the more you try to control, the more your fear controls you. But when you trust, fear loses its power. The more you try to control, the more your fear controls you. But when you trust, fear loses its power. What does that mean? Trust in what? Trust that God is going to make it all go away. Trust that he's going to make your life easy and comfortable and fun and all that sort of stuff and never scary. No, it's not, it's not any of that. It's trusting that no matter what comes your way, that he is not only with you, but that he is in you. And when that voice in your head whispers that, he, that he's not there and that he's not good enough and that he's p- not powerful enough, you shut them up by telling yourself the truth that he is good and that he is strong and that he is trustworthy and that he is present and that he is working in all things for my good and for his glory. And when our hearts learn to trust and when we bury our heads in his chest and cling tightly to his strong arms, the fear loses its power. So what are you afraid of right now? And what would it look like for you to stop trying to control and to simply trust? Each week during this series, we're inviting someone up from our prayer ministry team. Today I'm inviting up Pastor Rick to come up and, and to close our sermon time in prayer. And as he comes up, I just want to ask you, sometimes it's important for us to take a step. It's important for us to take a step. And so what I want to ask you to do is to take a step this morning, whether you are watching online or you're here in the room, I want you to take a step. And what that looks like is I want everyone to just close your eyes. And if, if fear has been something that has been controlling you and it's been increasing its control of you, You've been running, you've been fighting, you've been freezing, whatever that looks like. And you're ready to, to, man, I need to trust. I need to take a step and trust. I just want you to simply raise your hand. Just raise your hand, taking a step of faith, saying, God, I, I need you. I trust you. I give up control. And I want fear to lose its power over me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are perfect. You are perfect in love and justice. Lord, there are many of us being tormented by fear right and left during this season. Lord, you teach us in 1 John that God, you are love and that perfect love drives out fear Oh, Lord, thank you for inviting us in to be with you and experience that perfect love. Holy Spirit, help us 
to trust in Jesus, to abide in Jesus, to love one another and forgive one another. Lord, and give strength to all those that are willing to make that step to connect with you, Jesus, or reconnect with you, Jesus, that this may be the day that fear is driven out and replaced with peace and joy, no matter the circumstances around them. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Father, for being with us every step of the way. Jesus, it's in your powerful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. It was on the night that he was betrayed that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and he passed it to his disciples and he said, whenever you eat of this bread, remember my body broken for you. Let's remember together. And then taking the cup of wine, he passed it around and gave thanks for it. And he said, whenever you drink of this cup, remember my blood that's been shed for you, that you no longer have to be alone, you no longer have to be afraid, that I love you so much that I'm with you. Let's remember together. We're going to go into a time of singing. And if you would like prayer during this time, there's going to be some of our prayer team volunteers in the back corner over here. They'd love to pray with you. Please feel free to get up and go do that. Let's sing. <laughs>